When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hi, everyone. Welcome to First Things First. We're going to start the show off a little differently today since it's our first time on air since we were at the parade in Kansas City. Here's the latest news out of Kansas City. Uh, Police Chief Stacy Graves said at a press conference that Lisa Lopez Galvin, a 43-year-old mother of two and a local DJ, has died. Graves also said over 20 people were wounded. Their ages range from 8 to 47. There are currently three people detained, but charges have not yet been filed, and the shooting appeared to stem from a dispute, according to police. So that's the news. Um, Brew, we were there, obviously. Uh, Your reaction 24 hours later. Well, I want to say this first, not as a cliche, but because prayer works. And uh, prayers up for Lisa Lopez Galvin's family, loved ones, uh, her survivors, for the those who are injured and in the hospitals now and for their family and for all those that saw what happened yesterday and may have been traumatized mm-hmm. by what they saw or experienced, whatever it may be. I pray for their comfort and their mental and emotional well-being going forward for what they may have seen. So um, also, and we were all at the hotels in our rooms afterwards, and I'm sure you guys were doing what I was doing, which was watching the news. And I saw that um, some of the broadcasters, one in particular I can think of, who was very upset, clearly upset, that she even said something to the effect of with the whole nation focused on Kansas City, mm-hmm. this is how we represented ourselves. And I get where she's coming from, but I would say that, you know, virtually everyone at the parade was great and there were more far more heroes than villains i mean you heard stories and we've seen people talk about putting their own lives at risk by tackling people that they thought were the shooters and may may have well been the shooters and so that's incredible bravery right there and also just throughout the day before the shooting it was a great day. It was. And the fans couldn't have been better. Um, I took pictures with dozens of fans. And, um, I mean, but for the, the 30 seconds of brew was wrong chance that I think you guys egged them on with, <laughs> it, it was great. You know, so I, I just think, look, unfortunately, this happened, but it's not representative of Kansas City. You're from there, Nick. Sadly, this is becoming more and more commonplace in America and could could happen in any of our cities. And in fact, look, they have had shootings either directly related to or slightly indirectly to the periphery of championship celebrations. The uh, 
the Texas Rangers when they were won the World Series in 2022, uh, the Nuggets, yeah. of course, when they won it in 2022, um, Cleveland in 2016, Toronto, which of course is not America but Canada, the Dodgers, you know, the Bucks when they won it recently. So this is happening far too often, and it was actually. CNN was reporting our 48th mass shooting, which is four victims or more Mm -hmm. who were shot um, in this calendar year, which is more than one a day. And that's actually a little down, but that's far too many. Mm -hmm. So I would just say to everyone who's concerned about this situation, as we all should be, to first look in the mirror. Whether you're a politician, a lawmaker, uh, a parent, or just a, a typical citizen, We all have to look in the mirror and whatever we can do, some of us have more power to make a change than others, but whatever we can do to make a change, we got to do it because we don't want our children growing up in an environment where you can't have mass gatherings without the fear of shootings going on. So those would be my thoughts. And, um, it's just, you know, it was a very unfortunate and sad day. Mm-hmm. So I echo your um, sentiments about prayer for not only people who were physically wounded and um, Lisa Lopez Galvin, who lost her life, but also for everyone who was traumatized by it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know exactly what I'm going to say, and I didn't know this morning what I was going to say. But I'm like, oh, man, I got to say something. So I called somebody who works in news, and I'm like, what am I supposed to say here? Um, And he said, you know, you have a first-person perspective on what happened. Just be authentic with how you felt, while at the same time acknowledging that you're very lucky to be okay in the the grand scheme of things. But at the same time, not perfectly okay. It's not... It was different than it was last year. Um, So then I started to kind of wrap my head around like luck. I'm like, well, that's, I just couldn't get past it, right? And he's like, well, talk about your day. So I started all the way like, this is what we did. We took an airplane, we had some food, we stayed at the hotel, and then we were on the periphery of a mass shooting. Now, luck, didn't really play a part in the first three things I described. There's a lot of rules, regulations, and safety precautions in getting on that plane. They're not all perfect. I get it. I want to keep my shoes on, too. But I get it. And you know what? If a door pops off an airplane, it's international news. Never mind people being hurt. And when you go to a hotel... I had a cup of coffee working a little bit of uh, construction, really destruction. I was kind of breaking stuff so other people could build it. I wasn't that good at building, but my dad does carpenter. There's a thousand rules and regulations, man. I wasn't in that hotel thinking, whew, lucky that chandelier didn't fall on me. And when we had lunch, I'm like, man, lucky this food's not poisonous. If anyone's worked in food services, a thousand rules and regulations there too to keep people safe. Let me get to the parade. And it was like, oh, we're very lucky. Yeah. And I, I had a hard time wrestling with that. And, and this is the last one. I don't know if I want to say this one. Uh, 
the one thing that got me mad, because like you get a thousand emotions in it, right? So like, it was like super joy, right? You had like a ball of joy. Imagine like a glass ball of joy. That's what the day was. Yep. It was like pure joy for like a million people. Yeah, like, literally. Literally. And like to infringe on Disney's copyright, like the happiest place on earth, I literally think that until the shooting, that was the happiest place on earth. Millions of people all dressed the same, super, like yep. thrilled. Unified and thrilled. And then that glass ball breaks into a million shards of emotions. Confusion, anger, sadness, grief. Fear. Fear. It's all, there's more. There's the, I- illogical stuff. And I was, while we were walking out, and I didn't feel like we were in grave danger thanks to our security. And just It felt far away. I saw this kid kind of walking and he wasn't in immediate danger at least I didn't feel like that it felt like we were far away when we were walking up that little hill and I was like man this is not fair like this kid's and this kid's lucky he's one of the he's the lucky there's other kids who are in the hospital right now and there's kids who've lost their mother and this kid who I guess got mad that this moment was stolen from him Mm. yeah and so I, but we're all lucky. So that's what I'm, I mean, this might not be coming out perfectly, but I, that's what I've been trying to wrestle with. Yeah. That the idea that we're lucky to be in this situation, to come out of it physically unscathed, because other people tragically weren't. Um, well, I, I think that was beautiful, Wilds. Mm. Um, so I'm going to... I'm going to tell you guys about the times my family first saw me cry because there's a chance you guys are going to see me cry for the first time. For Diora, my older daughter, it was December of 2012 in the lobby of her school when she was seven years old when I went to pick her up the day of Sandy Hook. And that day, of course, someone with a lightweight semi-automatic rifle shot around two dozen kids her age, and I saw her in that lobby, and I immediately started sobbing. It's the first time she ever saw me cry. My youngest daughter, Deanna, who's been on this show, who you, everyone here knows really well, first time she ever saw me cry was March of 2022 in our kitchen when I opened up Twitter and saw what had happened at Robb Elementary. And someone with a lightweight semi-automatic rifle shot around two dozen people that were her age. And I, and I sobbed. And she was concerned. She didn't know. I didn't. I, I just, like, it was so, and I'm not a big crier. Nothing against it, but I... I sobbed. And yesterday, shortly after, a few kids themselves with lightweight semi-automatic rifles shot around two dozen people. Uh, My wife saw me cry in a way I haven't. And it wasn't when uh, at the parade. It wasn't on the walk over. It was at the hotel. Once we had gotten to the safety of our room, we're at the elevator. And there was this little old lady who was on the phone fighting back tears, wearing a chief shirt. And she saw me and knew us, knew the show, and came over and gave me a hug and started crying. And I still didn't cry yet. And then we talked. And she said she was there with her kids and grandkids. 
and her, I believe she said, 14-year-old granddaughter had to take the lead because she's been trained for this. And the adults hadn't. And I cried. And I cried because it's so god dog cruel what we've taken from this generation of kids that we all got. There, listen, yesterday, Wild is right, we're lucky, but yesterday was also the single worst 10 seconds of my life. And it was not, it was not the, when we heard the gunshot and we're told to get down, and it was not it, the, ten, the, the part that is seared into my memory from a selfish perspective is the time between them telling us active shooter and me finding in the crowd ostensibly where the shooter was, my wife, my sister-in-law, and her best friend. Because I, you know, th- those, that 10 seconds felt like it was five minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that, that is, that is a, such a different feeling then for these young kids who have now had to learn, drill, and experience what to do in a mass shooting situation before they lose their first tooth, yeah. before they have their first kiss. For those kids there yesterday, part of their childhood ended. And to your point, those are the kids that we consider lucky, mm-hmm. the kids who didn't end up in hospital beds. And so I, I, I'm incredibly sad about this, and this is where I will pivot a bit, but I am furious. I'm furious because this is so clearly all our fault, and we have so clearly lost the plot so quickly. I understand now that at this point, talking about any type of regulations whatsoever on guns in America is verboten for some, but we, some of the strictest statewide gun regulations ever passed in this country were passed by Ronald Reagan. Right. And the, the assault weapons ban in the 90s was supported by Ronald Reagan, who is a paragon, uh, you know what I mean, for many on the conservative side of the aisle. I, we say when it comes to this particular topic, we turn ourselves into morons. We say ludicrous things like, why have laws? People break them. Like, we make these arguments of, well, if you pass a law, only criminals will break the law. As if, okay, well, then make selling meth legal because only meth dealers will break it. We, 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 we trick ourselves into... Good guy with a gun. There were 800 good guys there yesterday. How many of them did we shake hands with before that we saw? There were uniform police. There were, there, there, you couldn't have had more good guys. Prepared, ready. And in an instant, there's nothing they can do until after the fact and mitigate the damage. And that's my home city. And the only thing that brings Kansas City together is the Chiefs. We are a divided city. We are a segregated city. We have, the Chiefs is the only thing that brings it together. And the moment is, is, is shattered. Mm. Yeah. And the, the, the state of Missouri, as of October, was fighting at the Supreme Court to not allow 
local police to enforce federal gun laws. They were fighting against the local cops' ability to enforce federal gun laws. That's how insane we've gone. And what we will do is to just keep plowing ahead. We will continue with the wellness checks that my best friend in the world called me yesterday to check on me. Just like I did for him two years ago when he was at a parade in Highland Park, Chicago that got shot up on the 4th of July. And we'll just keep going with active shooter drills and a generation of kids who had this part of their life stolen from them and throw our hands up and say, what can we do when we all know the answer? And so I, 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 you guys struck a far better tone than me. I apologize. But I am heartbroken. And I love Kansas City so much. And I, those kids were so happy and those people were so happy. And some, some kids themselves with easy access to rifles and other guns did that. Uh, all right, we'll be right back. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back and their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless from researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience. Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Welcome back to First Things First. We're back on track here. And although it's uh, Thursday, we have a special for the audience. Yeah. Uh, special edition of the best segment in all of sports. And I know you're thinking, hold on, best segment in all of sports? You mean the power rankings in my local newspaper? that I perused over a pile of bacon at a breakfast buffet? No, that's delicious, but not the best. Without further ado, it's an honor and a privilege for the best segment in all of sports. It's an early edition, way too early edition, of Nick's Tears. Yeah, it is, and listen, there might be some openings on the committee. Oh my gosh. Because when you have a year as successful as the committee did, guys get poached. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a real brain drain when you have another year as the most accurate ranking system. So, send those resumes and CVs in. Everyone back on the tiers. That's one of the best things about the off-season uh, editions. are back. Yep. Back on the tears, briefly. <laughs> oh, 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 I got too excited. <laughs> well, the Commanders, the Pats, Carolina, and Vegas, I don't see how any of them can stay on that long, but they are back on the tears briefly. Uh, all right, so it's 
what type of plan is the, is there a plan? So Seattle and Tennessee just were like, no, we have really good coaches. Don't want them. Atlanta's like, we could hire Bill Belichick. Why? The Giants are like Wink Martindale. Who cares? And Daniel Jones is running. Is there a plan? Just I just want to know it, it, it. What is it? And is there one? Diehards believe no one else does. Kyler, man, a year removed from the ACL. Oh, he's coming. Oh, Aaron Rodgers. Oh, did you see him hit that hole in one? Wait, no one did. There's no video. There's video there. What about the one-handed uh, intercept? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, maybe two-way player. Uh, Sean Payton, once he's removed from having Russ on his back. Uh, this is the year for the Vikings. Oh, and the Saints. The cap's fake. Derek Carr's good. Listen, the diehards believe no one else does. Next, stuck in neutral. They'll be fine. But why would next year be fundamentally different than this year? Where these are all playoff caliber teams. In fact, they all made the postseason, but you don't have real Super Bowl hopes for any of them as presently constituted. I know Eagle fans might there take issue with that. We can discuss that in a bit. Young, hungry, very dangerous. The, that applies, in my opinion, to all of these teams. Obviously, they all have young quarterbacks that they strongly believe in. The Bears are about to, assuming they draft Caleb. They either have good rosters in place or the cap space to do it. Most of them have coaches you believe in. I think those teams are all going to be in the trendy, I don't maybe not Super Bowl picks, but you know, to be very dangerous next season. Prove it in the playoffs. Also known as the reverse Chiefs. Doesn't matter what you do in the regular season. We won't believe in you. Any of these teams could go 15-2, and two, and you know what everyone's going to say? Got to see it in the postseason. Don't really care. Well, you know what? That's true for the Ravens, the Niners, and the Cowboys. For the Bills, they'll probably win their fourth straight September championship. We'll see. Next, if the defense can step up. I really like these teams. I really like these coaches. I really like Stafford and Goff in that dome in that with that offensive line has proven that he can be good. And I thought, listen, these two teams played in round one of the playoffs. That was a coin flip game. The Lions then proved they could have beaten the Niners. They kind of blew it. I think the Rams would have beaten the Niners. So if either one of these defenses can step up, they have a lot of youth there, they could be incredibly dangerous. Sneaky big winners. The Cincinnati Bengals. That 2021 AFC Championship game just looks better and better the more Patrick Mahomes wins. Since no one has beaten him in the playoffs since then, no one has beaten the Chiefs in the playoffs since then, the closest the Chiefs have come to losing in the playoffs since then, you could argue, was the next year's AFC title game against them. This past year, you can just say, ah, Joe Burrow got hurt, you know, throw it out. They're the sneaky big winners of the Chiefs' excellence. And then, of course, the 90s Bulls, the 70s Steelers, and the 2000 Patriots all rolled into one. The dynastic Kansas City Chiefs. They have the inevitability of Michael Jordan via Patrick Mahomes. They are building one of the best young defenses of the generation. Maybe a la the 70s Steelers. Maybe not seven Hall of Famers like that one, but we'll see. And they have the coaching brilliance from a coordinating level, an assistant coaching level of the 2000s Patriots. I threw that in because I believe it and also will soften coach up right before it goes. <laughs> that is the way too early edition of the tears, coach. Well, I am I am really optimistic about this upcoming season yeah? based off of these tears. I think oh, wow. you did a very good job. Wow. I'd say the, the place I have... Uh, and just a minor adjustment that I, I would move Detroit up to where you have the Bengals. Wow. And and here's why. That is a minor adjustment. It's a minor adjustment. So and, and here's why is 
they were able to have continuity with the coordinators, which oh, is yeah. important. And then there's, there's a, uh, a culture that's been built there that's demanding, and players don't fight against it, they actually embrace it. And I think collectively, outside of the team, there's free agents that are going to want to go there and be part of that. I, like that. I think that's part. Of, I, I think that's a big part of this offseason. Yep. They've got the eighth most salary space. They've done a great job with the draft, and they've got an extra draft pick. They're the team that beat the Kansas City Chiefs this season, and then they were up by 17 on San Francisco. They've smashed all these all these barriers that have been in place, like first playoff game, win two playoff games, and all those things. All those things that that. They didn't think they could get through, they now got through. So there's so many reasons to be optimistic about where this team is that I'd say they're the next biggest challenger of the Chiefs. Coach, mm -hmm. that was cogent, that was well thought out. You know, you know what that sounded like? It sounded like it might have been coming from a future committee member. Like I'm, just, I'm, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, it's pretty good, pretty solid. Are, are there snacks? Pretty, pretty are there good. Snacks <laughs> if there's snacks, I might be in. Go ahead, bro. I, the tears weren't bad. And I actually like the title of this tier for these two teams, mm -hmm. but I'm still moving them up. I think the Chargers and the Packers, who actually are next to each other, need to move up to the next level. And if you got to drop somebody, drop the Cowboys. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I I'm not the Cowboys. They, they're going to do what they do. They'll be good, but I think the NFC is getting better. The Chargers, I look. Jim Harbaugh, I think he's going to be good. And I know people got turned off, particularly other teams in that division uh, by him talking about multiple championships. But when he went to San Francisco, he took a team that was 6-10, and 10, hadn't made the playoffs in eight years, and essentially were the same players, Alex Smith, yeah. Frank Gore, Patrick Willis, so on and so forth. And they went 13-3 and three and were in the NFC Championship the next year, his first year there. So I think they obviously have some talent. They got some things to figure out with the roster, but obviously you've got the quarterback, he is a quarterback whisperer, so I think the Chargers are going to be tough. And then I think Green Bay, I mean, I said it a million times, they were the youngest team to make the playoffs in nearly 50 years. Jordan Love is looking like a star, and some of those receivers are looking like potential stars too. So I think both of those teams are going to be serious threats. I think Green Bay will be a threat even to get to the Super Bowl. Wow. I'm not ready to give the Chargers that yet, but I definitely think a playoff team. So I'm moving so, them up. So you make strong points there. In a weird way, I think there are the the young, hungry, very dangerous tier is more complimentary than the proven in the playoffs tier, even though it is beneath it. Uh, and here's my only issue for the Chargers. I and I agree with everything you said about Harbaugh. I have real questions on what that roster is going to look like, more so than almost any roster in the league because of their cap situation and because they, their two receivers right now, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, are a combined $74 million against the cap, and their two edge rushers are a combined $70 million against the cap. So that's going to be in Mack and Bosa. There's going to be some massive changes there, and you don't know if the defense is going to take a significant step back. So that would be my concern. I have a great take that I'm 80% sure of, and I need to double-check with Josh. Josh's live research. Oh. Josh, can you confirm that Baltimore plays in Dallas this upcoming year? And I'll give you the take once I get that confirmed. Okay. But I think the <laughs> Eagles should switch with the Cowboys for this reason. Okay. It's a little bit, and this is the other thing. You know how you try to butter up Coach by saying something that's like right in his wheelhouse? And he's like, yeah, I did say that. <laughs> the way to do it with Nick is... 
kind of take one of his takes, remix it into one of your takes, and he sees the, the root of it. He's like, oh, that's actually my take. I think the, the Cowboys' loss to the Packers is like the Bills' loss to the Chiefs in the playoffs. Just absolutely devastating, and it's your peak and you're going to have a hard time recovering from it. Mm. You like that take? It's okay, it's all right. Thank you. And Josh is going, <laughs> so here's, here's why I think that Baltimore game is so important in Dallas. I think if, da- if Baltimore goes into Dallas, it's already a must win. Oh, wow. But if the Ravens go into Dallas after Dallas spent last year losing to the Packers in the playoffs, being embarrassed, going to San Francisco, getting embarrassed, having Bruce stack up piles and piles of tomato cans, if the number one seed last year's AFC goes into Dallas, and destroys them, I think that team will be broken. broken. Is that week one? That's the first No, week no, one. no. We don't, we don't know when no, it's going to be, that's but they right. will be. Josh just confirmed it. Yeah. Meanwhile, the poor Eagles are in the what changed, and I was like, well, man, everything changed. Jalen's going to be healthy, and we got two new coordinators. I can see the flip side of the coin that not enough continuity with Jalen, but I turns out I kind of like Kellen Moore still and Vic Fangio. Oh, yeah. I think he's going to be great. Well, listen, I think Vic Fangio is an upgrade. I do not know if Kellen Moore is, and the what happened to Kellen Moore? I, I think that, oh, to be totally honest, yeah. I think people were so dead set on not giving Mike McCarthy credit for anything that they gave they maybe gave Kellen disproportionate credit for that offense because okay. I think Mike McCarthy does have some very clear weaknesses as a head coach, but maximizing an offense has not, in the regular season, historically been one of them except for the very end of Green Bay. And to me, with Kellen Moore, when you leave somewhere and that place – gets way better and the place you're at gets way worse. Yeah. That's a huge concern. Yeah. But the the last point I'll make is this. Jalen, the injury thing to me is an odd one because it's not like, okay, someone who suffered one significant injury and, okay, you're going to come back from it. It felt to me more like Jalen had an injury that he was continually re-suffering over the course of the year due to the style of play. Yeah. And I don't know that that's – there's real reason to think that they're going to change his style of play. Maybe move away from the tush push with your $50 million. Well, that, oh, uh, coach, you're talking about speaking my love language, <laughs> absolutely. Just, well, I mean, yeah. maybe just use it a little more sparingly. Yeah. Yeah. Is Kelsey retiring? Do we know? We don't, well, we don't know. Schefter said yes. Kelsey said, mind your business, Schefter. <laughs> so we'll see. LeBron to Golden State? No. <laughs> Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So, to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash FTF, netsuite.com slash FTF. 
netsuite.com slash FTF. It's Woj and Ramona reporting that Golden State tried to trade for LeBron. Lakers said no, uh, but they would check with LeBron and his team, Rich and all of Clutch, who also said no. <laughs> but still a great story. Uh, your reaction, bro? I was texting with Rich Paul after this came out, trying to convince him. <laughs> Get LeBron the Golden State. <laughs> Post-trade deadline. Oh, my gosh. I would have loved to have seen Le- I said that on the show a few yeah. weeks ago. LeBron with the, with the uh, Warriors. Now, would they have won the championship? Maybe. I'm not throwing it out that they couldn't have. But I, they would have definitely been a contender, that's for sure. And beyond that, they would have been one of the greatest shows in NBA history. Yeah. Even as they're both older. There have only – I checked this out, and I'm going to put Shaq in here because some don't. I've, I've got him teetering on mine. There have only been two times where I think top ten – two top ten players have been teammates. Obviously, Magic and Kareem yeah. and Shaq and Kobe. Yeah. If you got Shaq or Kobe hmm. in there. Oscar that's, and Kareem, some would have. But you're right. But and that's a fair one. Right, because they yeah. played a couple yeah. years together in Milwaukee when they won the ring. Yeah. Um, but – this would have been, I mean, this would have been incredible. And their games actually complement each other, too. Yes. It wouldn't have been a problem like that. So, I would have loved to have seen it happen. Um, you know, look, LeBron is content in L.A., and they, they're playing well. And I, yeah. I do think he's just settled there, and he's – we'll see what happens this summer. But right now he's settled there, and, you know, he um, do it. So, the question is this, and Wendy did – Maybe the best report I've ever heard Wendy do. It was just a chef's kiss <laughs> when, he's, when he said that, oh, LeBron and Steph have been talking about setting the world on fire and under the tutelage of Steve Kerr when they play in the Olympics. I was like, ah, it was just so well done. So the question for you is, Nick, Yeah. do you think when LeBron's a free agent, if he opts out, that this Olympic uh, run in Paris is going to serve as like a miniature either audition or is LeBron kind of interviewing like, hey, Steve Kerr, let's see, put me and Steph out there. How do I like this? So here's the thing. I I think LeBron and Steph would be amazing together. And, you know, there was a time when I think it was pretty clear, I don't want to say LeBron disliked Steph, but didn't love the maybe attention and accolades he was getting in the Mm 2015-2016 range. And you saw it on the court in the game when he had the blocks and kind of big-boyed him. (laughs) But that was eight years ago. And now they seem super tight. Yeah. You know what I mean? Maybe not banana boat tight, but tight. No, but yeah, that yeah. game, they hug yeah, each other. Yeah, they do it. Absolutely. Yeah. I'd love to see them play together, but it can't happen on the Warriors. Has to be neutral turf. <laughs> neutral? It, it has oh, to be oh, oh, say no, 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 no. Neutral. Neutral's fair. And, and, and that can't happen because the Warriors never trade Steph. But LeBron's not going to go join Steph's team. He's not going to. And so as much as I would like True. it, it, no, it just that, it, that you would have to. Is this is the thing I, you know, that you'd have to have a team that could sign LeBron and trade for Steph and be like, <laughs> you know what I mean? We'll meet here, and, and that way we're equal parties. But I, LeBron is too great of a player, even at this age. I think LeBron could team up with someone who is, you know, an MVP candidate right, right. now on that guy's team. If it's a much younger guy, I don't think it can be. We were rivals. 
You know what I mean? Well, for, he did do it with Wade. Yeah, even but though I, he was, he's better than Steph, so he was better than Wade. Yeah, but he and Wade didn't have, you know, four years of epic playoff battles. You know, the, the, and so the, I understand what you're saying with Wade, but it was a different situation. Even though the Heat had won a title, it was so far removed and all, all that stuff. You think it would hurt his legacy? I just think it would add more fodder for the idiots. That's what, <laughs> well, that's what look, I think. I, I, it wouldn't hurt his legacy. But let's say they, LeBron did go there and they won. For those in the Jordan camp, obviously I'm in the Jordan camp, but those in the Jordan camp, I don't think it would, I don't think it would really move the needle for anybody in the GOAT conversation. Those that got LeBron would obviously say this is another you know, notch on his belt. I don't think it would move the Jordan people because you would say, well, he went to join somebody else's team to your point, and was he, he wasn't the leader on that team, whereas obviously Jordan was for his six. So I think that's – but – if it's about and, and Rich was, you know, we're talking about this having fun, enjoying these last years. Why not do it there and win? Yeah. <laughs> you can enjoy I, I also that. Do, do. You guys, real quick, do you guys buy that? Because I think it, LeBron cares about never being traded. I know technically he was traded to the Heat, but he wasn't. He picked. Them. No, that's. Fair. I think LeBron values that he has honored and finished every single contract. And so if yes. maybe he doesn't feel the way I do about going and joining Steph's team, you can do that in the offseason. But that's different than being I was traded midseason. I think he, he likes the fact that in this, even though people say player empowerment, all this movement, he's never demanded a trade, right. he's never asked out, and he's never been traded. How many coaches has he fired? Well, that's not his <laughs> job, man. <laughs> Take a look at the West standings. Uh, Lakers and Warriors Kind of firmly in playing territory. Yeah. AD said he wanted to jump up uh, to the sixth, uh, sixth spot, which if he did, he could have stayed with the Pelicans. <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, so, bro, who is the more viable title threat? I'm really curious who you're going to say. Honestly, I don't even think it's close. It's the Lakers. Oh, like, okay. I, I think the Warriors, I'm glad they're making this nice little run. Kaminga, you know, is, looks like he's becoming something. But they don't, they're not a threat to win the West, I don't believe. At all. They don't have enough size. Number, and you know I'm big on the size. You've been and those that. teams yeah. that – now I know in 2020, well, the last one they won, they didn't have a ton of size. But all the ones before that, they had Bogut, Festus Azili, JaVale McGee, Zaza Pachulia. Like, mm-hmm. guys that weren't great, but they were big, and they, they gave you something inside. They don't have that. And the Lakers, look, and I said a week or two ago – you look at Phoenix or you look at uh, Denver and the Clippers as teams you wouldn't think they could beat in the playoffs. You might even remove the Clippers. And I'm not about talking about a healthy Clippers. You give LeBron and AD a fighter a good chance in that series. Yes. Denver's like the only team you say, I don't see them beating them. No. Now, I'm not saying they'd be favored over everybody else, but OKC, Minnesota, Sacramento, New Orleans, they're young. You're going to take them on a seven-game series over LeBron and AD? I don't know about that. Phoenix and Dallas are good, but they're about the same level as the Lakers when the Lakers got it going. So, I no, I, I just clearly the Lakers. I think they have a much better chance than the Warriors. It, it, yeah, I agree entirely, but I think both of them, the chance is close to zero. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I don't think to that. To actually win the West. Yeah, it, it, to win the title. Wow. Yeah, I, I don't think either one of these teams – has the roster that can win four straight rounds. The and the reason the Lakers, I the Lakers are more likely to go on a deep playoff run. Right. Uh, 
The, but the only way I – I don't think the Warriors can do it. I just don't think they can win four straight rounds with this team, and this is going to be their team. The only way for the Lakers to do it would be if LeBron can reach back and get to 80% of, you know, peak LeBron for 10 playoff games. And I don't think at 39 years old that's realistic. You know what I mean? Like, AD's yep. playing great, man, and mm-hmm. he, he, right. we should give him a lot of credit. I just don't think in year 21, being like, hey, LeBron, we need you to be outstanding in four game fives oh, and game sixes. That if, I, And so I don't think they have the roster. Lakers on the road against teams that are better than them, 2-8. and eight. It reminds me a little bit of, like, well, the Warriors last year were just bad on the road against yeah, everybody. Yeah. But this is one of, like, ah, you know what? You're good. But you can't beat quality teams in their building. Yes, that's but because kind of, of LeBron of and AD, yeah. I, I think they could – I think Minnesota's awesome. I think the Lakers could pick off Minnesota because yes. of A – you yeah, know what I mean? experience. Right. No I, one I, believes in Minnesota. Let's just be honest. Yeah. And, and they played Denver tougher than anybody last year. I'm just saying. Yeah. They won one game. Who, it was who played you, in the top? Well, yeah, I guess so. Is they Minnesota? With the Chiefs win, there's really only one guy who can look in the mirror and say, "You know what? I can beat him." Go to the Super Bowl, and that's Joe Burrow. Said this about the Bengals Super Bowl chances this year: easy to say, hard to do, right, guys? <laughs> when the wrist is right, my body will be in tip-top shape. So I'm excited to get back out there and go on a run next year. All pretty standard, blasé stuff until you get to Instagram. Uh-oh, mass amnesia, <laughs> the hunter. I mean, put them on the bulletin board, except you can't because it's kind of true. Uh, how dangerous is a healthy Joe Burrow? Anyone? Uh, I'll go. Uh, yeah, I didn't know. Uh, I know. <laughs> no, I think incredibly dangerous. I think that's, that's why the committee put the Bengals second on the tiers. Uh, and I, that Joe has what no one else in the league has. I've beaten Patrick Mahomes in a game that mattered. No one else has. True. And Tom, but the, but I know, the active. But Tom, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, active. Uh, yeah that's great. Okay. You, you brought, <laughs> Bob Cousy, too, if you'd like. But we're talking about active athletes. Got you. Um, and so, and the Bengals, you know, they once again, they have Lou Anarumo. And I know the Divans took a big step back last year. But I think part of their success against the Chiefs, some of it had to do with Joe Burrow making great throws. But you look at his stat lines, except for that first game, he had kind of up and down games against the Chiefs, but the, it was Mahomes struggling with the uh, Bengals defense. My concern is this, Coach. That last word before Joe Burrow, healthy with Joe is a very legitimate concern at this Absolutely. point. And we, ha- we have to be fair to the – whenever a mobile quarterback deals with a few injuries, we'd seem to very quickly be like, well – that's what you get. You know what I mean? A big injury risk. Joe is not a mobile quarterback, but he is dealing with as many injuries as any starting quarterback in the league over the last few years, except for maybe Jimmy G, who famously his body betrayed him. Yeah. And so, I, so, Coach, I think very dangerous, but I think the health part is a real concern with him. It is, but we had that health concern about Lamar as well going into this season, and yeah. Lamar was able to stay healthy. He's felt minor, minor injuries compared to – what Burroughs had. Yeah, but he missed quite a bit of time yeah. both those seasons. And, and 
Yeah, it's true. The biggest threat to, to Patrick is the guy who's been the biggest threat to Patrick, which is Joe Burrow. And Nick loves this graphic, so I just wanted to make sure that we all had a chance to, <laughs> just to enjoy it again. You know, it's three to one. The completion percentage, everything is a be- is better across the board. Kind of has as many fake Super Bowls and, as Mahomes has and, real ones. And there's <laughs> there's not there's there's nobody else that can say that. So for him to not only be a big threat but also to be in the AFC, I, I would say that that is a concern for the Chiefs. And obviously the Chiefs matchup against Cincinnati different than the matchup against other teams. And there is this mental hurdle that they haven't really been able to consistently overcome against them where everybody else seems to be now. And we had this to some degree in New England. There's, there's an intim- not intimidation, but almost like an expectation that New England was going to find a way to win. And there's an expectation now that Kansas City is going to find a way to win, yep. except for Cincinnati. Who doesn't have that? No, that that's huge. I mean, he's not scared of Mahomes, you no. know. And like you said, even subconscious, like he knows we can beat them not only in the regular season but in the playoffs. And he, this dude is legit. I do think he's entered Anthony Davis territory where you have to use the caveat or the qualifier of if he's healthy because mm-hmm. he's been injured. I mean, it was two very back. different injuries yeah. this past year. The yeah, calf absolutely. and the wrist are totally yep. different injuries. So he, he's injury prone. But look. I'll use your term, Coach, force multiplier. Like, we know what that organization was before he got there. Even if they lose T. Higgins and or Tyler Boyd, I still think he's going to be great. They were 4-3 and with Jake Browning. I know you love Jake Browning for a few weeks. But they were 4-3 and with him. They're a good team. And Joe Burrow, like, his offensive line was 28th a couple of years ago and 20th the year they went to the Super Bowl. Now, I'm big on offensive line rankings. It's important. (laughs) But he doesn't need a great offensive line. Uh, I mean, uh, maybe that will help him stay healthy. (laughs) But he he can get it done behind a a poor offensive line. So, yeah, he's incredibly Quickly, Coach, I'm always trying to wrap my head around. Ah, lost your offensive coordinator. Don't worry. Mike McCarthy will step up and take the reins versus, Mm. oh, no, it's a total disaster. Uh, so Dan Pitcher was promoted to offensive coordinator, and he was on the coaching staff and his quarterbacks coach. Is that a, a big change, or is it just like, no, there's continuity well, there, you're in the building? Well, look, whenever you insert a new human being into the play calling, it's a big change. It's a big change because of his tendencies, and then it's a big change between the relationship between him and the quarterback and, and how good that is and how well they understand each other. So if those guys have a really good relationship going into this new role, then I think it should be okay. But there is a proving ground where Joe's going to be looking at him to see how well he does, and then they've got to, they've got to build that relationship over time. But not as, not as dramatic as if you went outside the building to get somebody. Gotcha. The, if I can just add one thing that Bruce said. Bruce said even if they lose T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd, I think that is – I think the Bengals have one of the most interesting offseasons coming because Jamar Chase has made it very clear – I want money. all the money and good for him. But you know what I mean? He's, he was a highly drafted player who's been awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's been right about everything except for all of his Chiefs takes. And so he, he <laughs> deserves to be paid. Yeah. T, it is, I don't think it is responsible team management to have the highest paid quarterback, the highest paid receiver, and then another top five <clears throat> paid receiver in the league, which is what it would take to bring back Higgins. So what they're going to and do Tyler there. Tyler Boyd's going to make some, some good money. He had 67 catches last year. Right. It's and not like he had a down, I think Boyd is definitely down gone. Down year. I think, I, I think Boyd's definitely gone. The question to me is, are they going to keep Higgins as well and have a very expensive uh, you know, quarterback, yeah. wide receiver, wide receiver combo? I wonder if the Chiefs... 
try to mess with it? No, not the Chiefs try to mess with it. They went to get next. No, Live from New York, it's the show that does not have a toxic quarterback room. <laughs> second hour, first thing first. It's a Mac Jones reference. Yeah. Today, Steve yeah, Wilkes yeah, out yeah. as 49ers defensive coordinator. Is there a chance Kyle calls Bill Belichick? Wow. If you could only see Mangini's response. Stay tuned. <laughs> Meanwhile, it's just a tease, coach. Is there a chance the Lakers draft LeBron Ooh. James Jr.? Again, Mangini's response. He's not an expert on that. Uh, but right now, of course, it's time for the most motivational segment in all of sports. It's also time we read some viewer mail. Uh, today, I didn't have time to go to the post office. I had to grab a late sandwich, so Christina oh. went to the post office. Brought back a full satchel full of mail. I reached in, pulled out this letter. We have no idea who it's from. Wow. Okay. Can I guess? Somebody different. <laughs> yeah, guess. Who do you think it's from? I'm going to guess this one's Brian Sr. There is no Brian Sr. Oh. <laughs> How long have you been on the show? Sorry, my bad. <laughs> Don and Don. Don, Don, Don Sr. Gosh darn Brian Brian. Brian. The twins are Ryan and Brian. Sorry. You're thinking of Uncle Brian. Yeah, my bad. Oh. My bad. Sorry. Dear Wilds, love the show. We know you consider yourself a bottomless well of creativity. Thank you. Yet it's been weeks, and there's nothing close to replicating the joy of Cowboy Brew. <laughs> what gives? Don Sr. Oh, I was basically oh, right. Close. The meaner letters right are from money. Don Sr. He's right on the money. Well, uh, a fair point. <laughs> so I wanted to get rid of Cowboy Brew because I felt like a little bit like it was tired. But then I go on the internet and people are kind of hounding me. People at my actual address, where's Cowboy Brew? So we have some news. <laughs> the following statement was released by Cowboy Brew on behalf of... Fox Sports and the First Things First producers in response to questions about his future plans. <laughs> I'm back. Wow. Oh, what a return. I'm sorry. I had no better ideas. I tried my best that for, a, good news. for a month. For a few months. So he's back. Cowboy Welcome back. It was a cowboy. Oh, cowboy wearing the four five. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Anyway, play. here we go. Here we go. All right. At number three, it's an all-NBA one, guys. Oh, wow. We're we getting into the hoop season. Anthony Davis. First of all, Anthony, congratulations. Phenomenal year. First of all, you've been healthy. He has played 52 of their 56 games. That's pretty good. That, that, I, I don't think any of us would have believed that if you had told us that before the season. He's playing great, too, right there at the top of the defensive player of the year race. Uh, 25 points, 12, over 12 rebounds, two and a half blocks. Like, having a phenomenal season. So congratulations on that, AD. Uh, at last night, 37 and 15 in a win over Utah without LeBron. And AD talked about we found our identity. We play fast. We get to the paint. We that's what we do. And so I liked it. He, you, AD, you sounded like a leader. And here's what I say: D keep that energy when LeBron gets back. All right, which will probably be the next game. You are, it's time for you to take the torch. It's been time. It's way past time. Most of us have written you off and said you'll never take the torch. But now is the time, AD. Because look, as well as you've been playing, let's be honest. All the other big men that we say he's in their class, Giannis, Embiid, Jokic, we can't even imagine them playing with LeBron James, even an older LeBron, be in the ninth seed. Mm. That is impossible. So, AD, 
Take the torch. I'm sure LeBron's ready for you to take it and lead this team to something special. It just at least a deep playoff run. AD, I actually believe in you. All right, at number two, Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum is nice. I know Nick nice wanted guy. to keep you out of the club, superstar. That until was years he, ago. He kept you out <laughs> until the last moment. I mean, man, the bar was high for you, but you're in 27 points, eight boards, five assists, leading the team and all of that, the best record in the league. You're nice, but you're not yet mad nice. Oh. There's another level, mad nice, and that's where the Jokic is. I said the about Luka superstar. The now Luka. you're there's only there's not 13 or 14 <laughs> mad nice guys, all right? But to get to that next level, you have got to get some jewelry. But let's let's just go before that. There is no excuse for you, Jason, not to win the East. Am I right? Like, Embiid is hurt, and when he comes back, I, I doubt he'll be what he was doing before, for this season at least. Milwaukee's having all types of trouble. They're 3-6 and six under Doc Rivers so far. Um, Sultan there. <laughs> Cleveland, the Knicks, they're, you know, they're nice. They're not on y'all level. All right. And Miami, I know they've been a thorn in your side, but you have swept them in three straight games this year. Mm. All right. So there is no excuse, Jason, for you guys to not get to the championship series. And you got to obviously once you get there, you got to beat Denver or whoever you face in the West. But, Jason, I believe in you. All right. At number one, there's a bunch of guys. 24 to be exact. Wow. The NBA All-Star. Large All right? list. All-Star weekend is this weekend in Indianapolis. And I look, I'm excited. I was watching Mac McClung uh highlights you on YouTube. Dude did some nasty dunks. I can't <laughs> wait to see him Saturday night. I can't wait to see Steph and Sabrina Ionescu yeah, yeah. shoot the three-point shootout. But when I think of the actual game Sunday night. I get a bad taste in my mouth. Oh, I get a headache, all right? I get a stomach ache, wow. all right? Because the game has been horrible. horrible. Listen to some of this, all right? A few years ago, you guys, the game became a joke. Then it graduated to being ridiculous. And then it moved on to being absolutely unwatchable, all right? In 2019, here's some of the numbers. They took 167 threes. I mean, I don't like that. <laughs> There's a threshold of how many threes is too many. Yeah, it's one. I don't know what it is, but that's way <laughs> be, uh, beyond it. 2017, 83 dunks. Can you imagine 83 dunks? I guess, yeah, can I tell you and Almost all of them uncontested. Exactly. None of them good. <laughs> 2016, the West won 196 to 173. Thank you. 196. The scoreboard doesn't go to 200, I don't think. So I don't know what they're going to do. I think they're digital now, bro. A little different than when you were covering the league. The when I was saying the flip. Last year, yeah. you're not going to believe this one. Last year, there were seven fouls. Okay. Seven fouls in the game. So then, look, guys, I'm, I'm going to wrap it up. It's an easy fix. Just try. Yeah. Just try. <laughs> and I, we don't want playoff level intensity, but how about the intensity that you play with at UCLA in the summer? Thank you. Or the Drew League. Yes. Or maybe the <laughs> Rucker if you go there. Yes. Or or when you play an open gym in the summer. You I'm sure you're competing in the summer more yeah. than you are Chris in the summer. Chris Brickley's League. Just give us that. Yeah. <laughs> Anything. Give us that. That's it. That's Perfect. The well done, bro. Chris, I would say that this bud list was nice. 
but it wasn't mad nice. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> and, and, and I don't usually say that, but an all-NBA list. You, you're you're, not, you're not here for that. After the season. I mean, and look, I like Dunson 3, so that's why I watch the game. So I'm a little biased that way. I, I'm, I'm putting the uh, Chicago Bears front office. Wow. And, and nobody has a, a more organizationally defining moment than they do this year. To have the number one overall pick for the second year in a row, and you didn't go get C.J. Stroud last year. And look, there was a lot of uh, disagreement on where C.J. would land in terms of his ability, but what he's done, and now you've got the number one overall again. So you got to make that right decision in terms of who you're going to bring in, and then that leads to what you're going to do with Justin Fields. How are you going to max, if you move on from him, how are you going to maximize what you get sure, back yeah. for Justin? So there's that decision. Then you have the ninth overall pick. So you have a chance to add another great player to the organization. And you've got, I think it's $48 million in cap space. So you have plenty of room to go improve the team through free agency as well. So this is such a rare occurrence in NFL history to have this opportunity that they have and the firepower of trading the quarterback that's currently in-house. So they are absolutely under duress. That's well done, Coach. So, so what would your recommendation be? I thought they should have moved on from Justin Fields last year. I, I didn't necessarily feel that strongly about the quarterback group. But this year, it seems like a, a, a lot of excellent candidates. I know that Nick is there you go. deeply there involved. You go. So Caleb is not automatically Caleb? It's a, this is going to change before the draft. No. There'll be a lot of give and take in terms of, of who <laughs> likes who. But we see it every year where it, this guy's a lock to go number one overall. We'll see when the when the number. But you pulled. would draft the quarter. Would, whoever the quarterback is, you would draft. The I'm quarterback. saying if I'm the Chicago Bears, I I think that Justin has yeah. peaked there, yeah. and and if you have a chance to go get a someone who feels a franchise quarterback that'll be there for the next 15, 20 years, yep. you have to go. That, that's right. Uh, I'm putting James Harden on the bud list. Oh. And it, it, listen, Harden's been playing very well all year. The Clippers. Have been excellent. You know, after, right after they got him, they were tough. They the were Clippers, Bruise Clippers. Thank you. Well, I was going to get that Bruise. But still, uh, when they play well, exactly. you never say Bruise Clippers. The first couple of weeks, they've been playing excellent. However, current Milwaukee Bucks head coach and former podcaster Doc Rivers had interesting things to say. Or you know, in between head coaching jobs, when he was talking to Wilds' buddy Bill Simmons multiple times about what went wrong in Philly. And he keyed on James not making the All-Star game last year really bothered him. He was playing an unselfish brand of basketball, leading the league in assists. It wasn't rewarded. And then from that moment forward, he was a different player. Mm -hmm. And you saw kind of more of the solo act James Harden. The team wasn't quite as good. And then the playoffs, it really reared its head. I am very curious how, once again, not making an all-star team is going to land on James Harden's doorstep when the 24 brightest lights in the league are shining on Saturday or Sunday night and he wasn't invited to the party. Mm. Because the way he's playing right now, Brew, is exactly what the Clippers need, yep. and I doubted that he would do it. Thus far, they have proven me wrong. I'm curious how they will look the second half of the year if they will keep that going because I know they are your Clippers and you do love them. I have some healthy skepticism, so I'm putting Harden on the And bubbles. two of his teammates are on the, exactly the right. All-Star game. So yeah. you're now everybody's like, you're the third guy. He might not have thought that in yep. his mind. That's, that's, that's interesting. You're right. That's something to watch. This hurts me more than a critical letter from Don Sr. Mm. I'm putting Shingoon on the bus. Out of love. Out of love. Are you done with him? Out of No, gosh, no. Okay, I just want gosh, to make sure. No. Out of love. It's tough love time. 
rockets. It's time to step up, Shingu, and that's the moral of the story. It's time to move on like, hey, he's okay. Wow, Wilds, you were right. You're like, no, it's time to start playing better and winning more basketball games. The Rockets just lost to the Grizzlies, who are on a nine-game losing streak. Until Houston comes to town, you lose. The Rockets have lost three uh, they're, they're three and seven in their last ten games. One of the wins being courtesy of this Jalen Brunson phantom foul that is currently under review and could right. get overturned. Yeah. Pro under protest. I, I how is it gonna work? You're gonna replay overtime. overtime. It's just gonna be odd. Am I gonna buy tickets for a five-minute game <laughs> at the garden to watch and go? Yes, I will. <laughs> Meanwhile, last night. Shingun had this play, which he's always making something happen with time winding down. He gets fouled here. The ball bounces off the cameraman and then uh, hits Shingun in the face, which is never great. Uh, we want highlights, not embarrassing plays. So Shingun goes to the line, misses both free throws. Ooh. This is one of the flaws in his game. And I'm like, well, Wilds, he's a big man. What do you expect? Well, same thing I expect from every big man. Joker shooting 82%. Embiid was shooting 88% from the line. Baby Joker, Shingun shooting 70%. So finally, this is what we can hope for. The Ime post-All-Star bounce. Now, are the Rockets the Celtics? Not necessarily, <laughs> but it was Ime's first year in Boston. And remember, they turned the switch literally in the calendar year, but post-All-Star, they were also well. Had the best record, best offense, uh, and third best defense. So I'm expecting Ime to take a little break, come back post-All-Star. Rockets can try to get in the play-in. Just 10, that's all we're gonna just get 10. That's all we're trying for. So that's Shingun's inaugural edition, the Bud List. Maybe next week, Phil. Shh. I like it. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> Is Bill Belichick going to San Francisco for no. a job, not just no. a visit? No, He loves the troll. As we celebrate Black History Month, I'd like to recognize Willie O'Ree. Born as the youngest of 13 in the Canadian province of New Brunswick, O'Ree began playing hockey at the age of three. In January of 1958, he would make history in becoming the first black player to appear in an NHL game, playing for the Boston Bruins against the Montreal Canadiens. O'Ree endured racial taunts from both fans and opposing players throughout his playing career. He was called the N-word every time he stepped on the ice and was targeted by other players looking to injure him. O'Ree managed to block out this adversity and went on to appear in over 800 professional games. After his retirement in 1979, he received the Order of Canada, a United States Congressional Gold Medal, and was inducted into the Canadian Sports Hall of Fame. His number 22 has since been retired. Excellent. Welcome back to an electric show. Uh, close, not close enough. 49ers fire defensive coordinator Steve Wilkes. Kyle Shanahan saying, I felt pretty strongly that this was a decision that was best for our organization, even though it was one I didn't want to make. It just ended up not being the right fit. We were talking about this when we previewed the Super Bowl, Brew, that for the first 13 games, the 49ers defense looked great, and the last seven games, including the Lions and Packers games, it kind of fell apart. A lot of rushing went from 78 yards a game to 136. So what is your reaction to Steve Wilkes? Department? I mean, look, I, I thought, remember a few years ago in Carolina, he got the interim tag, did a great job. Mm -hmm. But I, I, I don't think he was bad this year, but I don't think he was very good. I, I think it's justifiable. That, 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 now, look, they were ranked third in scoring defense. Yeah. 
Terrible. Eighth. <laughs> right. No, I hear you, Coach. Eighth in yards allowed. Oof. Right. But what were they the year before? They were first in both under D'Amico Ryans. So they, they dropped off significantly. And you said late in the season, the last – all three of their playoff games, including the Super Bowl, they gave up at least 130 yards rushing. And Detroit almost got 200 yards on them. Six of their last seven games, they gave up more than 100 yards rushing, So including the playoffs. So I just – I don't think – look, the defense still was good, but they needed it to be great, and it wasn't. And it had been great before he got there. So I, I was fine with it. Yeah, they were 20th, I think, in pass yards last year and then uh, moved up, I think, eight or nine spots. So they were better in pass defense this year. So there was improvement there. And, and look, it's one of those things where if you think it doesn't work and, and you legitimately feel this is the best choice for the organization, okay, I get it. But if San Francisco hadn't cut Chris Jones free, on that, if they hadn't blown the offensive protection and they completed that pass, would he still be... The defensive there's some talk that he How, might not have survived. Maybe, maybe not. How about the third down when, when Kansas no, City they're, they're, when Kansas City had a free blitzer and all they had to do was was get the first down and literally the game's over. So they blew that protection. So if, if they if the offense had had run the protection correctly or had picked up the blitz, would he still be the defensive coordinator? So I, I get it if if this is legitimately the best decision. But it just feels a little bit disingenuous because if you don't want to make the decision, you don't have to. You're the head coach. And, and if you feel like there's some fundamental flaw with, with how he's been calling the game, yeah, I get it. But the question is, if they had done those two things right offensively and not blown it, not absolutely blown the protection, would the guy still have a job? Yeah, so well, look at the two – quickly, the two touchdowns. Receivers were wide open. Well, one, one of those touchdowns came after the ball – Hit the punt returner, okay, or hit someone oh, else. Right. That, so, yeah. they, so that's a return. But still, they allowed four, they allowed four field goals. They allowed a punt after or a touchdown after a turnover, and they allowed a touchdown to the arguably the best quarterback in NFL history in overtime. <laughs> arguably, he's in the range of Tom Brady. So he allowed a touchdown to a a legend at quarterback, and. And now it's like, uh, you're just not good enough. Someone else could have done a better um, so job. So I have a few questions. One is, who's going to take this job? Who's better than Steve Wilkes? If Steve Wilkes has, was obviously brought the 49ers to the Super Bowl. And two, was Steve Wilkes, I'm not saying he was scapegoated, but it's certainly an error. The ball bounces one way or the other way, and he's got a Super Bowl ring, and then he would lose his job. And then the third question, and you don't have to answer all of these, Nick, is, kind of in a bad spot when if you didn't make the playoffs as a as a coordinator and you get let go well there's a thousand job openings it's kind of oh, the, the timing of it's brutal it's tough for him it, yeah. it, seems, it almost seems unfair but it's like you were in the super bowl i don't know how you solve it well i'm guessing but it seems unfair good contract so yeah i mean he, yeah, yeah, but he yeah, probably he doesn't get a money. job this year oh, can we get to the we have <coughs> sorry, 15 seconds okay, can we I'm get sorry. to the thing no. you actually <laughs> wanted to talk about well who's got it won't be bill belichick Wow, time Coach, you don't take the air out of what? As a defensive coordinator? Yeah. In San Francisco? He's got two rings. What's wrong with San Francisco? Do you think he's that desperate for a job? Come and he's on, like, yeah, wow. oh, my God, there's a D Coach, coordinator. Coach, you told me he hasn't. He doesn't. 
I, I get it, but we talked about him coaching Nantucket High School. <laughs> he should go do something fun with all that money. Like go, go do something. There's not much more fun than Fred Warner. <laughs> Everything. Metal sign. Some people called this a carry, including the referees in most basketball media. Not me. You, you I called actually it a like cool that? move. Yeah, it's called the Sham God. No dribble Sham God. <laughs> Bronze medal. Wizards loss. I, well. <laughs> Oh, because Denny Avdia gets a medal even in a loss. Denny Avdia, believe it or not, it's his first medal of his career. Good for you, Denny. 25, or 43, pardon me, and 15 Ooh, in a loss. Silver medal, Kyrie, 34-9-7 and seven in a win over the Spurs. Now, again, we have to, they're the Spurs, so it's really 31-8-6. But it is a great game by Kyrie, who's been excellent this year. And then the gold, Anthony Davis, no LeBron, no problem. 37 and 15, another dominant performance by Anthony Davis. Lakers win six of seven heading into the break. There is the podium from last night in the association. Report from the Athletic, and we'll stay with the Lake Show. The Lakers are open to adding LeBron James Jr. next season. Brew your reaction to this. Uh, and not surprising. Um, and look, Bronny's averaging five points, like 35% shooting on a bad team. They're 9 and 15 USC. And if LeBron gets him in because of nepotism, fine, because there's nepotism is rampant in the NFL and the NBA as we can just look at some of the coaches' names and see. But I just want them to do what's right for Bronny. If Bronny's staying a year or two or three more, it helps him become a better player, and it's what he wants to do mm-hmm. and get to the NBA, then do that. I, I would just make sure we're doing what Bronny wants to do and what's best for him, not just what LeBron wants yeah, to do. Uh, and the, this, what I find interesting about this is what, we can almost set what it means for Bronny and what Bronny should want to do, all that aside. And it, I think it's the first sign, definitively, the Lakers would like to stay in the LeBron James business. When I don't, you know, yeah. I'd, it has felt to me like they have been. When, when the report is they were called about trading him, and they're like, "No, but call him and see if he yeah. wants it." Was like, "Oh, yeah. maybe they." I thought that was like a sign of like respect. Yeah, like, yeah. We're not gonna make it. Awesome. I uh, think they want him to retire. Speak like- is up next. We're off tomorrow. We'll be back.